The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Uh, We know that it's June. We know it's the offseason. We know we need to break down every NFL team. Uh, We're trying to dive in and take a look uh, with with experts from every NFL team, smart people who know things about them. And to do that today, Tori Petri of DetroitLions.com, at SportsTori on Twitter, and I believe a um, a multi-time guest on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. I am honored to be back. Thank you for having me back. What is, uh, what is your sense of, of the, the Detroit Lions are really interesting because I think that they are not, for, first of all, there is, uh, there's, when you look at, when you think about the Lions, I do think it has been a consistent theme with how people talk about the team that this is a pressure points, uh, season in 2020. Do you feel that that is sort of the belief and the understanding, uh, within the organization as well? Absolutely. I mean, anybody on the coaching staff or football side of things would tell you that we have that much pressure on ourselves all the time. We always have that much pressure because we always want to win. But I think from a fan base uh, standpoint and, uh, you know, maybe even from some of the comments that have been made from ownership, that they really want to see results. They've invested in this uh, program with having Matt Patricia at the helm, Bob Quinn drafting players, and it took a while for them to match up getting the kind of players on the field that those two uh, felt worked well in their system. And it wasn't an overnight thing, but now they've had a couple of years of doing it, and they're in year three with Matt Patricia, and uh, I think that they're ready to see some results around the city of Detroit. And, um, you know, I know Detroit's always been ready to, to see some success on the football field, but I think particularly under Matt Patricia, uh, they feel like they've gotten uh, some time under their belt to get the players in the system that they want, and it should be time to start seeing that come together. Well, you know, when I, I think that if you polled the average fan and said, what was the Lions record in 2019? They wouldn't tell you it was 312 and one. Like it felt like, I mean, I mean, like it felt like a better team than that. I mean, according to their advanced statistics and you have a, you have a cat wandering behind you. I know. It's, I know. Very, it's adorable. It's very People nice on the podcast see. probably can't, uh, see the cat, but you can right. see the cat. He's very inquisitive back here. Uh, this is that- Rory. He's named after the Lions mascot. Oh, nice. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Hi, Rory. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, but you look at the team and even by the point differential, it was a six win team. So they were a very unlucky team. And it, it, I think part of the problem for them too. And by the way, I, I, we ended up on a, uh, like a 10 minute rant on this on the, the podcast a few, like a, maybe a couple of months ago. I didn't realize that Martha Firestone Ford's nickname in college, do you know what her nickname in college was? I'm not familiar with this. No. Her nickname was Stony in college. Really? Which, I did not know that. Which, you know, oh, for, Firestone, yeah. Yeah, but no, it's exactly, it's just, a, it's just a play on Firestone. You know, if, you, <laughs> if, if your nickname is like 2020, if your nickname in college is Stony, maybe it's for a different reason. But like, yeah, like it was fast. <laughs> like I was, I was floored by it, but like, I agree to hear her say the things that she said, uh, made it very clear that, that 
there is an impetus to win. And I don't think it helps matters for Matt Patricia that Jim Caldwell went nine and seven in back-to-back seasons uh, on his way out, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I agree with what you were saying about how a lot of people might not have thought, oh, they had three wins last year because there were so many close games. I mean, the Lions nearly beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, that was a, a big game. They just barely let it slip away there at the end. And, you know, there are no moral victories in football, but you could see how they were right there on the edge of so many of these games. And then, of course, Matthew Stafford getting injured didn't help. Uh, and then having to rely on on backup quarterbacks who didn't play horribly or anything, you just can't rely on a backup quarterback to carry the team the same way you can Matthew Stafford. And uh, you know, so I definitely think there there was uh, a lot of a lot of good football, but just not good enough football that we saw from the Lions last year. And and they need to play better. And you know, Matt Patricia has his guys now and and I think that that's where where the expectation stands is that you know this should be the year we see production. Yeah, I mean you look at it and like you know they they won one game after their week week 5 bye and uh, I t- I also think too so like they should have beaten the I mean honestly they could they should have started they should have started the season 5 and up. Yeah, exactly. That should have right. been a win, but they let that get away from they them. Let, they let the Cardinals game get away from them. They let the Chiefs get, game get away from them and, and look, people lose to the Chiefs all the time, but they had the Chiefs in a position where they could beat them. Yeah. And then it really felt like that Packers loss on Monday night football in, in week 6 just sort of at that point you fall to 2-2 two, two and 1 and you're like, "Wait, we could be 5 and 0." Oh. And the, the refs rip it, you know, rip you out. And then they, they, then they lost, they beat the Giants in a close game. Uh, but they, you know, they lost the Raiders by one score, Bears by one score, Cowboys by one score, Redskins by one score, Bears by one score. Uh, and then close it out with the, with the, the Packers by one score. So just this tough, tough stretch of losses. Um, I, I wonder like, cause I think, and I agree with you, Matthew Stafford is healthy. It's a different story. Do you, do you think at this point that he has somehow drifted into a, completely underappreciated player in the NFL? Yeah, I think that the injury kind of, you know, allowed him to get there in people's minds because he was playing at an all-pro level before he got hurt. He was amazing in this offense before he got hurt. I mean, it was the first year with Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator. Those two were clicking. It seemed like things were working really well. Uh, We were seeing some incredible throws from Matthew and then he gets hurt. And then all of a sudden the story is, well, Matthew Stafford's always hurt. Mm. Well, that's, that's not really the case. He was playing very, very well and has throughout his career played through a lot of injuries. And, you know, this just happened to be one that he couldn't. And um, I think he's totally fine now. I don't think that it was a lingering injury. Uh, he says if they were back in the building, he would be back to just doing everything normal at this point. Um, and, and he said that back at, you know, the beginning of all this, when they should have been back in April or so, uh, that he would have been ready to go then. So, you know, I don't think that that is a lingering issue, but I think it has caused people to kind of forget about how well he was playing before he got injured. Yeah. So the, um, I actually did a, I went back to my high school and did like a chapel talk at, at like two or three years ago. I and it. I, and then I used Matthew Stafford as the, principal uh, it's in the south etc like he would have oh, yeah. near there but like i use it as a principal focus because i was like look when you you're going to go through all these different periods like you're going to leave high school and go through all these different periods of your life and like sort of made the analogy of matthew because when matthew stafford came out of uh out of georgia as a first overall pick like he, he only played in 13 games his first two years he was considered an injury prone uh maybe a potential bust then you know he, he has like 
averages like 690 pass attempts per, you know, per year over three straight years. And it's like, he's this gunslinger who can't get it done. And then he sort of morphed into this efficient player. And now like, you can almost see it. Like, like last year he was like, it was like all clicking. Like he had completely matured mentally, but he still had the physical tool set to just bomb it down the field. He hadn't missed a game since 2010. Like he's right. not injury prone at all. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I definitely think that this one was a frustrating one in particular because of how long it lasted and because the team just wasn't able to have success uh, without him. And I think that that darkened the opinions of of how bad the injury was because of how much the team struggled without him. Um, but. I definitely wouldn't consider Matthew Stafford injury yeah. prone. All right. So uh, it was sort of interesting to see. I, I mean, I thought it was anyway. The, the Lions use a second round pick on DeAndre Swift. And we're talking about injury prone guys. I mean, Carrion Johnson, again, we're, it's two years into somebody's career. You can't say they're def- definitively injury prone, but he hasn't played a full season yet. And it does feel like Matt Patricia uh, and, and, and Daryl Bevel want to lean on the run game to sort of set up these deeper shots. Is that accurate with how they want to approach it offensively? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is why we saw them take a running back so high. I mean, when we were, you know, doing all of our, our pre combine and, and pre draft analysis and saying what positions there were of need for the lions running back, wasn't really one of them. It wasn't, uh, you know, it was maybe something they'd, uh, address later on in the draft, but it wasn't something that they did right away. And so I think that that was definitely um, something that surprised a lot of people to see them take a running back in round two. But then you look at where they're at and you look at how important it is to establish the run, to be able to set up those big throws from Matthew Stafford. Uh, if you're a one-dimensional team, that's less successful for you. And that is something that they want to take advantage of Stafford's skill set. So you have to have a run game to be able to establish that. And um, you're right. Carry on Johnson has not been able to be fully available uh, for either of the seasons that he has been in the league. And so uh, they never really have gone on a, a running back system where it's just one bell cow. They've always had a couple of guys to, to move in and out of there. And so I expect that that's what they'll want to do with carry on and Deandre. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, sort of lighten the load for carry on. Let yeah. him, like, the, so the, the expectation shouldn't be one of these guys is getting 300 carries. I don't think so. I think you're still going to see a mix of both of them. I mean, the Lions even rotated guys in and out on the offensive line last year. So mm. I would expect that we see, um, you know, a, a, some sort of rotation at running back, especially because those two are are very different players, different body types. They bring different skill sets to the table. And so I think that they will uh, put the player in there that fits the play that they want to run. All right. I mean, look, Matthew's, a healthy Matthew Stafford and a, and a potent run game in this team, there's no reason that this team shouldn't, be uh, a lot more interesting than, than people think on offense. Uh, defensively, though, is, is a big question. To come in, we'll take a quick break, and we come back, we will break down that defense. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. 
Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Okay, so with the uh, third overall pick, the Lions took Jeff Akuda. And uh, they also landed Julian uh, Aquara. Did I do that right? Did I get his name right? Julian Aquara, yes. Julian Aquara, yes. I'm still working on the draft prospects. It's like it's June, but um, the uh, and then they also felt it feels like they did a whole lot of supplementation of their defensive roster through. Uh, former Patriots players the last couple of all seasons, which is no surprise. Like we see this in uh, Tennessee. We see it in Houston. You see it anywhere Bill Belichick, former Bill Belichick disciples go. Uh, it shouldn't be shocking. W- what is the expectation for this defense in, in 2020? That, I mean, is it because Matt Patricia, that, that's the tough part. If you're Bill Belichick's right hand man for 10 years and you leave and your defense stinks, people are going to ask questions. Yeah. This defense has to be better in 2020. It was. Uh, not good in 2019. Uh, there were games where the defense really did drop the ball. And so, uh, this defense has to step up in the 2020 season. And there were a lot of reasons for that in 2019. Some of it was injury related. There were a lot of injuries along this defensive line that we all thought was going to be so strong going into the 2019 season, but they never really got to play together through the preseason, through training camp, because someone was always injured. And even in the beginning of the season, it was a little shaky there as well. And so it took until a little bit later in the season for them to hit their stride because they had just dealt with so many injuries all along. Uh, and so, you know, that that contributed to the struggles that the Lions had on defense. But we've got to see a better defensive effort uh, this year in 2020. And they did add some pieces along the defensive line. I mean, you mentioned Julian Aquara, brother of current line, Romeo Aquara. Yeah. Uh, you know, those two brothers will be big parts of this defense, I believe. Uh, and then, you know, you have – you bring in Nick Williams on the interior of – the defensive line through free agency. He comes from the Bears. So you you have guys like that. You also have Danny Shelton uh, coming in from the Patriots. Like you said, the Lions like to find players that they're familiar with. And I will say that I think this offseason in particular, it makes a lot of sense to do that. Um, not because uh, – I'm not saying that this is why they brought those guys in, because who could have predicted that we were going to be out for this long. Uh, but – these players already know Matt Patricia's system. Guys like Danny Shelton, uh, you know, of course, Trey Flowers from from last year, uh, trading for Deron Harmon this year. Guys like that know this system already. And so it's going to be a shorter learning curve for them to hop in and, and be part of this team when you don't have any in-person practices to learn that. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree 100%. And I also wonder, too, like, so Matthew Fairburn t- uh, came on and talked about the Bills, and he pointed out that in, in – that one of the Bills' philosophy, and I sort of wonder if maybe Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia aren't learning this too after uh, a, a, how do I say, a public, uh, public, a very Twitter-heavy uh, uh, trade discussions involving Darius Slay. Like, like if you bring in guys like Danny Shelton and Jamie Collins, um, and you're, you know, who mentioned Trey Flowers and, and Deron Harmon, like these guys not only know your system, but you know them and they know you, and so. Oh. 
I, I would assume that maybe this is something they sort of wish they'd done a little bit earlier in terms of transitioning the locker room. Because you do, as a new coach, it has to be your locker room. And if you don't have wins early on, it's harder to convince everybody to buy in. And, and maybe this is an attempt or, or, a, or a shift in philosophy in terms of making the locker room more fundamentally sound towards Matt Patricia, maybe? Sure. And, you know, you think of it in any workplace. There are certain bosses that certain personalities work better with and sure. certain ones that work better with others. And so there is a certain cohesiveness that you need in an NFL locker room and, and on an NFL team. And so I think that finding those players that you already know like your style of coaching, which is – quite frankly, very different than what they had in Jim Caldwell. Very different. Not that either are, you know, bad styles. They are just very different styles. And so finding players that, you know, work well and respond well to that type of coaching, I think has also been part of bringing in players that you know as well. You know, I mean, just to touch on the the coaching stuff too, like I think it's hard for – so Matt Patricia, like he's only been there two years. And again, like he came in and there was already this expectation of somebody who was there before him and X number of wins for a franchise that frankly, I mean, as you know very well, hasn't won a ton of games in, in the history of its, you know, history of the club and certainly in recent years. And then also like just part of being an ex Belichick disciple is that you just don't really seem to get a whole lot of wiggle room before people start asking questions. I, and I Patricia had that thing with the media and, and that maybe that, you know, the, the media member where it's like the, the shirt tucked in or whatever it was. And like, that probably doesn't help matters. It just, does it feel like there's more pressure being put on him than maybe you would see from another coach who's a little more low key that didn't come from the Patriots uh, style and, and brand? Well, I think, in my opinion, the pressure is more so because Jim Caldwell was fired because nine and seven wasn't good enough. Uh, that's fair. Jim Caldwell got them to the hump. They needed somebody to get them over it. And so Matt Patricia was supposed to be the person to get them over it. And they have not yet gotten over it. And so I think that the pressure comes from, okay, you said nine and seven wasn't good enough. And granted, it does take some time to build a system to bring in guys that work and that, you know, can operate well under your system. But now we need to see you get over that hump because that's why we switched coaches was because we needed someone uh, to take us to that next level. Making the playoffs uh, wasn't good enough. We wanted to see you win playoff games and win the division. And and those are the things that this team and this franchise is looking for right now. Um, and they just haven't seemed to be able to find it quite yet. Okay. Well, then that's a perfect segue for what is a successful season for the Detroit Lions. I think that I think that obviously you need to have a winning season. There's no way you can have another season where you are not winning. Uh, but I think that ultimately one of the bigger goals at hand would be to win the division. And I think that that's a tall order. I think this NFC North is a really division really difficult division to win. Uh, but I think that that is that goal is in their sights that that is something that they want to do. They want to be able to come out on top of this division. And we've seen teams go from worst to first in this uh, in this division before. Uh, we'll see if the Lions are able to pull it off this year, but I definitely think that uh, that is a goal of theirs. Now I'm not saying that it is an unsuccessful season if that doesn't happen, but I think that we need to see this team uh, make it to the playoffs uh, this season. Okay, so I mean, so it is. And I actually think that they're an interesting sleeper team to take to win the division because if you look around the the NFC North, I think that every single team, like I think I I would say that the Lions probably tread, did a good job treading water, and I think that the rest of the teams in the division got appreciably worse, or 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 like even if Nick Foles is an upgrade over 
you know, Mitchell Trubisky. Like, I don't think the Bears got appreciably better from what we've seen the last two years. I thought uh, the Packers were one of the luckiest teams in football last year, and then they do the Jordan Love thing. It, don't, it just refused to draft a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. And then, you know, the Vikings just lost a ton of people through natural attrition. I, so I – I mean, you don't want to put, you don't want to be like, well, it's the Lions division to lose. I mean, nothing silly like that, but it does feel like there's a window here. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, I, the players and coaches would say the same. Um, you know, I think that it's been difficult for us as media to even think that far ahead yet because we're just kind of trying to cover everything that's unfolding so quickly sure. in our current events. Uh, but I'm sure that the team and players have had those conversations about what their expectations are for this year. And if I had to guess, I would say that that's probably one of them is that they want to be able to win this division. So we'll see if they're able to pull it off, but I don't think it's impossible. All right. I like it. I, I, I have some, some potentially misguided optimism towards the Lions this year. We'll but I agree. I don't think it's, I don't think it's impossible. Uh, Tori Patrick at Sports Story on Twitter, uh, multimedia journalist for the Detroit Lions. Thank you so much for joining the Pick Six podcast. Uh, again, always a pleasure to talk to you, Tori. Thank you so much for having me. I love being on. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. and You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.